0: For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Mike Check, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Check. It is Friday, and I... Uh, we got a holiday weekend coming up, and I feel that there's only one person I want to talk to you about uh, for a holiday weekend, and that's Tony Peterson. I don't even remember what we talked about today. Oh, we talked about, uh, what did we talk about? We talked about the upcoming season. We talked about him gaining access to a new property. We talked about a whole bunch of fun stuff. Uh, you know what it's like when... Uh, we get together, and those usually turn out to be really good episodes. Sometimes we cover some hard-hitting deer hunting topics, and other times we, we talk about hard-hitting 1980s movies. So, so there's a little bit of all of that. But I have a really big announcement to, to make. This might blow some of your minds, right? I bought a 2000... And 13 Sweetwater Pontoon Boat. I know you guys should be impressed with that. I drove an hour and a half today uh, up and I bought it. And that's the transition into what I really wanted to talk about. How I feel that women are really good at manipulating you to do something that maybe you didn't you didn't want to do or that you 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 don't want to do or you didn't want to do and all of a sudden you're like holy cow what happened how did this how did this all happen and it, they're brainwashing us through I don't know what but they're brainwashing us somehow and here's here's why I say that I walked into this boat store with my wife today and we're looking at one pontoon boat right? We are, I researched it. I said, Hey, this is within our budget. We can afford it. It, It's, it's, uh, it's not brand new, but it's good for three kids. We can bring our friends out on it. It's going to be fun. We walk into that, uh, that store, we go take a look at the boat we were originally looking at and they, they misplaced the key. And in the, in a moment of, Trying to look for the key. My wife made the decision that she wanted to look at other options. And I said, that's okay. We can just look at them. And we come up to a brand new 2024 pontoon boat. I forget the I forget the uh, name of it right now. Oh, a Harris. It was a Harris. And it was like 2.5 times the amount that we spent on this one. And she almost got her way. I, I really think that I would have, like we collectively would have purchased this today if I didn't have to go to the bathroom, look in the mirror as I was washing my hands and then like the spell kind of was snapped from me. And I was like, holy shit, I'm just, I'm getting ready to buy something that is ridiculous. Not only would it be horrible for three kids, you know, because they're jumping around on it. It's going to get dirty. Uh, it, you know, we want to be able to fish off of it. it. We couldn't fish off of it. And so, so the spell broke. I walked back in there. I go, I don't think this is a good idea. And uh, luckily, uh, I don't think she wanted to fight uh, right then and there. So, we got the the more affordable pontoon boat. And uh, I think we're going to have fun with it this weekend. So, um i don't know why i just wanted to share that story with you so if you feel like your wife has you hypnotized uh or maybe she's like feeding you magic goulash or putting like herbs and spells in your food or your drinks i I completely get it you know sometimes it takes a cold rag a splash of water to the face after you get done uh you know going to the bathroom Look in the mirror and wash your hands and try to see deep into your soul and see if maybe you're hypnotized. So, <laughs> I don't know why I was talking about that. Anyway, fun episode today. Um, we are going to do some commercials right now, and uh, I'm pretty excited because next week we'll be introducing a new partner. I'm just going to tell you who it is right now. It's Code Blue Sense. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing some mock scrapes with those guys, but here, here's the, here's the, the crew today tethered. If you're looking for a tethered saddle, uh, you got to go check out the brand new saddle that they have uh, available. It's like a luxury edition, uh, I mean it's got these, it's got side pockets, it's going to be really awesome for me. It comes with like uh, suspenders almost. They go over top and you can slide it on like a, like a vest almost, Uh, you you hook it together up front. But the reason that I like it because the pockets are built into it. And if I, while I'm climbing up, I want to, you know, screw in a, a bow hanger or I need something in my pocket or I want a bow rope. It's all right there, right next to me. So the best thing to do to go check out this new, um, the, the, the new saddle that these guys are offering, go to TetherNation.com and just read up on it. it it's, it's pretty sweet. Along with that, they have climbing sticks and all the saddle hunting accessories that you need. So go check out Tethered. Uh, wasparchery.com is where I go to, check, to, to buy my broadheads and I'll tell you right now I got a really good discount code for you and it is NFC20 NFC20 and that's going to get you 20% off of your wasp archery purchases um dude I'm a huge fan of the 3 blade jackhammer especially during the whitetail season where I'm you know my goal is 30 or in dude those those heads just destroy Whatever they hit, uh, most of their heads are still made in America, and so with that you're getting uh, awesome quality. All right, uh, what else? We got Vortex Optics. Just got back from Vortex. Um, there is a new, a whole bunch of new gear that we're going to be talking about in an upco- in an upcoming week where I'm I'm going to uh, dedicate an entire week of podcasts to Vortex, and uh, I'm really excited about that uh, that week. That'll be probably be in mid to late July, once they have the official release date for some of these products. Uh, so keep a, keep a look out for that. VortexOptics.com, VortexOptics.com. Yes, so keep an eye out for the new products. Uh, and plus they have the VIP warranty, and that is you bust it, break it, and smash it. You put it in a box, you send it to them, they fix it for free and send it back to you. And the last on the list, is hunt stand this time of year man it's all about preparing yourself for the upcoming season mentally and so i am on hunt stand uh just trying to figure it all out man Uh, i'm hype you know i'm I'm going through hypothetical situations like um what are we doing Uh, uh wind direction what access will be on a south wind what access will be on a north wind Um, where the pinch points are, where the spur ridges are, where the, where I believe the staging areas are, even if I've hunted these properties a hundred times, I'm still going back into, uh, every season thinking about the properties as much as I, uh, uh, as I can. And I'm doing that with, uh, HuntStand. So, uh, go check out HuntStand.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our four partners today. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast, it's another fun one with Tony, so uh, we'll catch you on the back end. His name is Tony Peterson, and I'm not sure why he continues to come back on my podcast and and be a guest, but Tony, thank you for your time, how are you doing?
1: I'm good man, I'm going to be honest with you, it's just because I I don't really have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, that's the only reason. (laughs) You're my best friend. <laughs> Thank, <all I>
0: <laughs> Thank you, dude. Uh, this is no joke. I have people I know. I have some people who I would consider friends. But as life goes on, you move away from them, right? They're all in different uh, places with their families. And, you know, the the crew that you used to run around with, just everybody goes and they do their own thing in life, right? And so it's not like I have friends, but I don't ever hang out with anybody. So my, and I always say this, I have one friend and his name is Lance and he lives across the street from me and I've been friends with the dude since I was fourth grade, in fourth grade. And so I've known him almost my entire life and uh, there was a house for sale in my, in my town across the street. I said, hey, do you want it? Him and his wife and daughter moved in and now really my life is complete because I have every other than my parents and like my brother, my best friend lives across the street from me. And so I can just walk over to his house and we can have a beer or something in the driveway. And, and then we just kind of go our separate ways. And, but it's good. Like I only have one friend as well. Yeah.
1: You guys, if he lives that close, you guys could build like a zip line or something. that
0: would be sweet. That would be sweet, dude. Someone's getting hurt though. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, Let's see. It's summertime. Oh, before we get into this, I want to <laughs> pick your brain about something that popped up on social media today, and I'm not going to say any names, and I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to throw a scenario out there for you, and I want you to tell me what your thoughts are on this. Okay. There is a hunter who has been charged for violating a wild game law, okay? Okay. And I'm not even going to give the details. Let's just say it's poaching or baiting or a combination of all that stuff. And it goes uh, like he's or this person is charged with it. Okay. Well, through the rigmarole of the legal process, uh, he has the, the case was dropped. Okay. So it is not necessarily guilty, but not necessarily innocent as well. Mm-hmm. There are fines that are associated with this still, and that person is responsible for, for having to pay fines. So what are your thoughts on that particular scenario?
1: Is it like a plea deal?
0: Uh, well, plea- I, I'm, I'm guessing it was a plea deal. The case was, the, the term was, the case was technically dropped, but they are still responsible for paying certain fines so I, I'm assuming in a in a legal sense that's a plea deal. Yeah. Man, that's the there's there, I have
1: two I have competing thoughts on that. Yep. One is I'm real nervous about everybody kind of engaging in cancel culture and mm-hmm. setting fire to everyone for every mistake they made. The other one is you know, how, if, okay, so you do that and you're in the industry, even if you're not in the industry and you get caught for something like that, like how egregious is it mm-hmm. and how, how much does that taint your entire history? Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, I mean, cause sometimes if it's like, if somebody traveled to a different state and they broke a rule that they didn't know about or something, I'm like, you know, whatever. Like I can, yeah. s- I can see that mm-hmm. if it's like just a blatant thing where you're like really trying to get an advantage here. Then I go, man, I kind of, I kind of think that guy needs to get jettisoned out of the, out of the club, you know? Um, And even then, I, part of me is so jaded on that stuff Mm -hmm. that we've, we've had guys in the past get caught for really egregious stuff. Like, like things where you're like, they should be gone forever from the industry, from hunting as a whole. And they still have massive followings. Yep. And so I, part of me looks at it and goes, does it even matter? Right. Like, I hate that I think that way, but we've seen examples of this and it, to me, that's just crazy, but it
0: happens. Right. Right. In this world. And I'll, I'll share this in in this world we live in. It's absolutely crazy. Okay. Do you know who Ja Morant is? Yeah, he's that uh, basketball player, stud basketball player. Yeah. But now, he's got an
1: affinity toward handguns. He
0: like he must be a Second Amendment supporter because he's <laughs> flashing he's flashing guns all over the internet, right? And so that's the big talk talking point on sports radio right now. So I and I, I hear that and I go, "Oh, dude, this you got to remove this guy from the limelight." Right, you got to set him down and go, hey, man, guns are, you know, you can't be flashing guns on social media, especially in your, in like it, the way he's doing it. You know, like a rap song's on. He's going, hey, check that, you know, like flashing the gun. So then I go to pick my son up from basketball camp one day. And what is the, the over and I don't mean just by a little, I mean by a lot, the overwhelming jersey that kids are wearing by a long shot was the Memphis Grizzly, Ja Morant, okay? And so this leads me down the path of, number one, the kids obviously don't care, right? The kids know who this guy is. And number two, the parents are either clueless or they don't care either right and so that's this world is people can do crazy dumb shit and and really nobody cares like no yeah. nobody i doubt his jersey sales have suffered because of these these things that he's doing might have gone the other way maybe exactly. telling more- yeah, yeah absolutely that uh, yeah
1: i don't know i, I it's so hard for me to imagine a world where you have nba superstar kind of money mhm and- and you need to be doing that. Like, yeah. do you not have a handler or something who's like, "Listen, man, <laughs> just don't put it on yeah. social media, yeah. or you know, don't be in a situation where somebody's going to film it and throw it up there." But
0: yeah, I don't. That's I mean, a different world. I I was watching a documentary on, I think it was Motley Carew, and they literally had guys that would have backpacks full of drugs. Like, they would never carry the drugs their their guy that they hired so basically just a drug mule would wear a backpack with all the drugs in it and that way if if he got busted he's going to jail and they're not they're not getting touched
1: yeah so i uh i'm not gonna say this on this show i'll tell you afterwards remind (laughs) me i heard a story like that out of the hunting industry that that uh blew my mind from uh (laughs) but i'm not gonna say it on here i don't I've had to pay for one lawyer in my life, and it was three hundred ninety-five dollars an hour. So I don't want to do it again.
0: But I'll <laughs> it. Well, just know that those those types of people are in all industries, right? Yeah. So, okay. Um, let's see here. What are we going to talk about today? Any any anything? Uh, I hear here is this deal. Smallmouth bass. Have you been catching them lately?
1: Oh, buddy. Oh, so, buddy. Not lately. Uh, I actually filmed a a fishing show for Meat Eater in the beginning of June with Andy May. Andy Uh, May fishes? Yep. Uh, Catching smallies and largemouth, and we freaking waylaid them. I mean, it was, we just, we hit it so well, and it was so much fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love, uh, were they schooled up?
1: Um. Well, they were just all up shallow mm-hmm. you know it was it was a weird deal um i don't think they were on beds because i found a bunch of empty beds but they were still shallow yeah and it was just a top water fest i mean they were just chewing and it yeah. was it was real fun i caught yeah. i i caught the biggest smallmouth i've ever seen in my life i mean we we did it, it was just fun how big was it just under 23 inches okay did you weigh him? I didn't, uh, but it was, I mean, everybody I showed a picture to, they're like, that fish has to be over seven pounds. Jeez. And, I, you know, that frame of reference, I've caught a few that were 20, like legit 22s mm-hmm. and we've weighed some of them and they've been six ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what this one was, but it was, I'll send you a pic. It, yeah. it was, you know, and it was on film on top water. Just cool.
0: Yeah man i think you know how everybody has a fishing goal Uh, you know like for some in the bass fishing community the 10 pound bat like largemouth, is like a dream fish for a lot of people my my father-in-law he's caught one maybe two in 50 years not and that not not on the river because river fish don't get that big but in farm ponds and lakes he's caught two well, probably more than 50 years of fishing. Anyway, two uh, 10 pounders his whole life. And so I think it would be like a dream to catch like a seven or eight pound, uh, Smalley. Like that would be, or, or, yeah, that or just like a gigantic muskie. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, I mean, getting, getting to the seven pound range this far north on anything is, I mean, Yeah. You know, it's wild. Like a legit seven pound Smalley. I mean, when you see, you know, like Lake Mille Lacs, when they have a tournament there, I mean, they'll be the winner will have a limit of five pounders, maybe even multiple days. Yeah. But you won't see a seven pounder weighed in. And, you know, they're the best of the best. I mean, it's just so rare, but they're out there. You know, I mean, if you get to the Great Lakes, you have a chance at that, you know, but it's that's a different thing than finding that double digit largemouth. There's yeah. so many more options for that just generally because they're you know, they live in a lot more places. But yeah. yeah, they're freaking cool, man. Yeah.
0: What else is on the agenda this summer?
1: You know what? I have have a new spot to hunt here by my house that I just got permission on. Yeah, buddy. so I'm gonna start digging into that. And I'm almost to the point where I'm really gonna start glass and heavy mm-hmm. and I got I got some bear tags we're gonna work on this September. So I'm I'm like I I'm gonna enjoy about the next two weeks of kind of not doing a bunch of work in the woods, and then it's gonna be off to the races and I'll be fishing way less and scouting way more. Yeah.
0: That's uh that property that you picked up, how big is it? It's twenty five acres. Twenty five acres. Okay. So it won't take too terribly long to are you going to run, do a, a summer run through of it, scout it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it just for a frame of reference, it's five minutes from my house in the suburbs of the cities. Okay. And so it's, a, I know 25 acres doesn't sound like that much, but here, that's like a oh, good yeah. pickup. Yeah. You know, and it's, I've only looked at it. I've been in the guy's driveway because my, my daughters are friends with his daughter and so I've only seen it in person from his driveway and then yep. looked at it, you know, he scouted it. But a lot of the stuff here is like, how close is this line to somebody else's house mm-hmm. or how close is this? And then, you know, like, OK, is there's a it borders a sod farm. Is there are there any vegetables planted in there? And so you're kind of like, yeah, you walk it, but you're standing on fence lines, glass and you know, outside the property to see, like, what are you going to be dealing with? Like, does this neighbor have dogs or because, you know, a lot of those properties there, you know, somebody might have like five acres at their house or seven acres. Right. And then you're like, okay, do they have tree stands in there? Mm -hmm. You know, because everybody knows somebody who hunts. And so it's kind of a, it's, it's figure out the deer, but figure out the people. Yeah. Kind of thing here, you know?
0: Yeah. Are you uh, the only guy who's going to be hunting it or does that guy hunt it as well?
1: So he hunts it, but he, he doesn't know what he's doing. And he told me that he's like, yeah. he's like, I don't, I just, once in a while I grab my bow and I go walk around back there.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so
1: he doesn't, I don't, I don't think he even hunted it last season. Okay. And so I'm, I'm mostly concerned, not necessarily with myself. I mean, I, I will hunt it and I, and I promise you there's going to be big bucks going through there because of that neighborhood, but, yep. uh, but i'm I lost the the place we've been hunting turkeys here is getting all developed. It's all houses now or you know, yeah. construction out there right now. And i my my biggest concern was I gotta find something to take my girls on. yeah that's not a long drive. And right. this thing is just you know, I mean, it's it's small, but there's turkeys there. there's deer there. So my hope is just to get in there. and it the cool part about it was the the dad, he's kind of like us. He's like same age, like, doesn't really seem to like people a whole lot, like yep. kind of quiet, whatever. But I asked him. I was like, "Do you like venison?" And he's like, "We love venison, and I never get it." And I was like, "Oh, buddy, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> this is where it, This is where I step in, sir."
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and this is. I told him flat out, uh, it, "This is an unlimited doe zone because we're we're south of the line, so it they they encourage deer harvest here because there's so many places you can't hunt." Yep, and so you could buy dough tags till you were i mean till the season ran out yeah. and fill them you know yeah. and so i told him i was like man we, we'll get some does dialed in here and we'll shoot them and i'll split them with you 50 50 i'll cut them right down the middle and butcher them package them and just drop them off yeah and i'm gonna make it real nice for him because yeah. this is a, it's a gift you don't you don't just where i live you just don't find this very often
0: yeah you think you think uh when i launch this you're going to be fighting the seek one guys for uh an opportunity here or is it, is it locked up for you?
1: I think that it's pretty safe. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't even say this, but there probably are some really big deer Yeah, in that area. Um, I know it's close enough to a property that I had permission on for two years that was, pretty dang good. I mean yeah. they they grew vegetables on that place and it was overrun with people, but the quality was like real good for Minnesota. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. knew you were around the 125 to 140 type deer, like they were they were in the neighborhood and yeah. this this situation I could see this or I could see that being like pretty common. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of itching to get out there, look around and get a few cameras out and start figuring things out.
0: Yeah. So I just got a, uh, I I just recorded a podcast with a guy from uh, Ohio a couple weeks ago, and he he was telling us the story of a buck, or he just got permission on a piece of property. Now it wasn't 25 acres, it was like, I think 80 maybe, so it's a little bit bigger, but it was like a, a rectangle, a vertical rectangle, and everything surrounding it was a housing development and so this the county or the city tried to step in and go uh imminent domain we're gonna we want to buy your property well the guy went to court and he's and he he won and so now it's just this in this neighborhood it is a it's just like this perfect rectangle and there was a 180 in it and so um he ended up not killing it he found it dead I think it got hit he's thinking it got maybe hit by a car but it just goes to show you that in in a environment like that man they can get like yeah they can just slip through the cracks even with all those eyes people just aren't paying attention you know what I mean yeah oh dude
1: they' they have so many sanctuaries mm-hmm. I mean the biggest concern a lot of times is them getting hit by a car mm-hmm. you know but the the thing that I've learned up here You know, this is such a, such a different kind of hunting than I, like I grew up doing and I do on a lot of my trips, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's not my favorite, but I, you know, whatever it it is, what you have. The thing that I've learned though, is the hardest part for me a lot of times is dealing with how many people are feeding them Oh yeah, at at their houses. Like we had this in Turkey season every year too, where, you know, if somebody's, uh, fifth of a mile away and they're running a feeder in their yard just because they like looking at them they're going to soak up half of your animals right you know i mean and and at at certain points you know in turkey season if you talk about like early season where there's not much food out there yet they're soaking up most of the birds those hens are going to go there and then you're kind of waiting for that like afternoon cruiser to break off or um, late season for deer a lot of people feed the deer up here and so you might have a property that's pretty good in October or maybe November and then all of a sudden you're like I can't find a deer track on here cuz you're only working with 25 acres right. and it turns out that three of the neighbors that are you know a quarter of a mile away are feeding them and those deer you're just you're like out of the game
0: yeah are is is baiting and feeding deer illegal in Minnesota or if you're just feeding them it's okay? So these are just
1: yeah, these are just bird watchers. They're feeding them. Yeah. Baiting is illegal. Yep. But it's, it is, it, I mean, if you, I don't know. Have you ever hunted a state where baiting is legal?
0: Uh, Nebraska. But it, I guess it's, okay, in Nebraska, it's not, it's not illegal. Or it's not legal. But they have a black and white rule in Nebraska, which is 200 yards. Yeah. You cannot hunt. 200 yards within a mineral or a feeder right yeah so i'm assuming that there are people there that use that rule they'll put it 200 yards away and they have it measured out saying hey listen i'm 220 yards from the this feeder they just so happen to be walking by me to get to it right so but other than that no
1: it's uh It's to me, it's like the hardest thing to overcome if you don't want to do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I shouldn't say that in in certain situations, it can work in your favor. Like if you look at the States where baiting is legal on private land, but not public land, which is pretty common. Right. A lot of times your competition, which is on the private land relies so heavily on that, that those deer will learn like, man, I can bed in that public and stage in that public and then head over there after dark. You can, you can get into a situation like that where it can work in your favor, but there's, I you know, I've hunted, you know, some of the counties over in Wisconsin where it's legal. It is so hard to compete with. So you, oh. you almost end up timing your hunts, if you, if you don't want to do it, to the time when people just aren't that excited. Like kind of yeah. like the beginning of October when, when some of those bait sites dry up a little bit and then you can get some natural movement. But it, it is a hard thing to overcome in my experience. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, and then, you know, you talk to some of these guys who hunt bait. Uh, they, they're, you know, they hunt in a bait state and they hunt um, using bait. And then you learn how they hunt. They're just like, just, you know, big mature deer just don't come into bait piles is what they've told me. Right. And ever so I had this misconception that, uh, you know, you, you put a, you put a pile of corn out and deer just go right to it. And so after several years now i i'll I'll, t- I'll say this i i will i bet you there's a caveat to that like in iowa if i dumped a shit ton of corn right in front of my tree stand and it was like a one time thing i and i got downwind of it in certain areas i'm guessing i'd have better success right yeah. but if you're going into the same tree stand over and over and you're just ruining it right does will come in or young deer will come in but the big dogs they what they say is the big dogs they always flank it and that's where they're hunting yeah i mean that scenario is true
1: just as if you had the right property like you said and you were baiting you would have big deer coming in there like i mean it it there's there's a spectrum there right you know yeah yep
0: what states are you hunting this year
1: you know what uh i kind
0: of kind of got a wild hair at my ass to go to nebraska
1: try to shoot a velvet buck so i'm gonna see if i can pick up one of those tags before they sell out yep and go do that september one hunt um i found some stuffed turkey hunting down there this spring that made me pretty curious yeah so i'm gonna go do if i can get a tag i'm gonna go do that just right off the bat and see if i can kill a good one on public land yeah and then uh you know the minnesota thing of course and then wisconsin bears with my daughter which i can't freaking wait for yeah um and we'll do deer there too she, we've we've got some a pretty good pretty good population over there i didn't i didn't know how they were going to fare after this winter but it was pretty solid and yeah. then i think i'm going to do uh i think i'm going to hunt north dakota in an area that i i'm not really that familiar with i want to try something new there yeah uh, that, i didn't draw iowa
0: yeah is that an over the that north dakota tag is that over the counter
1: yeah, for white tails. For white
0: tails. Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. So I'm gonna do that. But other than that, I'm not really sure, man. I, I have uh I have kind of an open like October mm-hmm. now. Because mm-hmm. I didn't draw Iowa mm-hmm. and I'm like, I wonder if I should be I don't know, I'm kinda of looking at Oklahoma still. Mm-hmm. I'm not I, I got I have a window where I probably want to take advantage of it, but I'm not sure what I'm gonna do.
0: Yeah. If you do do Oklahoma, please let me know because I will go with you. I, uh, if I, if you want a, a partner, because I, uh, I didn't draw Nebraska this year and I'm not planning on going to, uh, or I didn't draw Kansas this year and I am not planning to go to Nebraska in, for that late September, uh, hunt that I went last year. And so as of right now, I only have one out of state trip and that's to South Dakota I drew South Dakota this year, so and I usually do that the second week in October, Mm -hmm. and uh, second or third week in October. Last year, I think I did it right in that mid middle of the month. I'd like to go out there and do that hunt like right before the shotgun season starts and watch like the mule deer start to rut, but it's just so hard to walk away from Iowa um, that time of year. But that just what I'm getting at here is I have openings as well. And so if you do, if you decide to go to Oklahoma, dude, let me know. And I'll, I'll say, screw it. And I'll go. Have
1: you, have you ever hunted there? No, no.
0: Nope. Yeah. I like Oklahoma. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't know what it is, man, but those people are my people. Yeah. <laughs> like when I meet somebody in Oklahoma, like they're always super nice Yep. and everybody hunts. So there's a lot of pressure, but it's just, it's a cool state, man. You got, you got a lot of deer. Yeah. You know, I mean, there a lot of people that hunt, but you have a pretty high density of deer on public land, at least in most of the places I've been. And just it's an opportunity state. Man. Yeah. I just
0: I like it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm I the more I, I talk about it, the more I want to go. I mean, I have friends that live down there or people I know that live down there, people that I know that live in uh, southern Kansas and hunt both northern Oklahoma and and southern Kansas and. You know, just like you, you with Minnesota and Wisconsin, just you know, from the area standpoint. So, yeah, I wanna, I wanna get out to Oklahoma at some point. I don't know why I don't do this, and it, I think a lot of it has to do with the timing of where I'm at in my life with three kids and really busy. But, dude, I hunt or I live so close to. I'm only like two and a half hours or three hours from Minnesota. I'm three hours to getting into you know, two, two to three hours from getting into Southwestern Wisconsin, um, an hour from Illinois and I'm two hours from Missouri and I've never put any energy into those four other four States. And I don't know why.
1: Cause you live in Iowa.
0: Yeah. That's part of it. That's part nobody of leaves. It. I mean, there, there's like a viable
1: strategy around hunting close to States that nobody wants to leave. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, it's not—it's not like a secret, but yeah, it—you know—if you look at most residents of Iowa, they're not going to Missouri to hunt. No, you know, I mean, yeah. maybe turkeys, but yeah, to leave there for whitetails is just
0: not going to happen. Yeah, and I think I think that would be like for me, that would be a like a bonus hunt, and i do like a four four day or like a long weekend, like a Friday Saturday Sunday Monday type hunt. Mm-hmm. Hunt it early October or you know I don't I think Missouri and Wisconsin they both open up in September and so I could do I could do that as well but I don't know man I I'm my mind for some reason when I think of out of state I want to go to a place that's not like what I'm currently hunting and I I just travel west for that yeah
1: I mean I I get that you know I mean it's it's crazy you you could travel 2 hours east and be in the same kind of terrain mm-hmm. or you could travel 8 hours west, 10 hours west and be in a vastly different experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's what I'm looking for at some point too. Have you ever done the uh January Arizona hunt at all? Man,
1: I no I have not. Yeah. I have done a stupid amount of research on different areas down there. Yeah. It's just so far. yeah. And, you know, by that time of the season, I'm like the, the idea of driving 25 hours to get down there and do a, you know, a, a hunt like that. I'm just like, I, I love the idea in September, mm-hmm. you know, I but I hate it in January. Yeah. <laughs> like by that time, I'm like, do I really want to do this? But that's a cool opportunity.
0: Yeah. And so I've had a couple guys, um, Marlon Holden, do you know who he is? He's the, uh, dude. the dude just slays. I mean, he's a mule deer hunter. He's a high country guy in Colorado uh, In other states. He's a desert guy uh, down in Arizona and he goes, that's what he does. We're whitetail guys and that's what he does. And so he goes to um, Arizona and he goes to Colorado. I, uh, I don't know if he goes to Colorado every year. But he's hunted a lot of mule deer throughout the western part of the United States. and and the environments that he's in are, are nuts, like the desert, you know, the, the big desert mule deer uh, down in Arizona. And he was like, I think he was watching, I don't know if it was him or another group of people who were recording. Because some of those units are right uh, along the U.S.-Mexico border, <laughs> he was yep. he was recording through a spotting scope for I think maybe two or three dudes running across the desert, and then behind them, like a half a mile, are border patrol agents, and they let a dog out of their vehicle, and you can just the video is just watching this dog full sprint, close in on these guys and take one down. And by that time, the other people show up and they they all get arrested. And so, like, it's, like, I don't, I I can't comprehend having to think about that. Like, some guys go to Wyoming or Montana and they have to think about grizzly bears. But but I I could never, like, think about, oh, there's so many, we might run into some illegal immigrants out here.
1: Dude, that eddie claypool has a bunch of stories about that or encounters and yeah. it's it's a wild situation down there between yeah. just who you might encounter and what you might see and then the other aspect of that is all the trash that gets really? left behind oh yeah it's it's nasty oh my god i mean you gotta imagine if you're walking up you know and you finish your jug of water you're not going to just carry an empty jug around you're just going to yeah. chuck it you know yeah but yeah. yeah i've never i've never done that it's an it's an interesting opportunity mm-hmm. and it's not it sounds like it's getting a little tougher to get tags down there now um, i think they tighten things up a little bit yeah but it's that would be cool yeah
0: because I, I thought that for the most part that used to be an over-the-counter tag yeah uh, so yeah
1: well that's i mean that's the situation where you know the arizona game and fish they were paying influencers to come down there and do hunts mm-hmm. and highlight it. I mean, that's why for a while I, I couldn't figure it out. I kept getting these invites to go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do, why do all these people who've never invited me anywhere, all of a sudden they're like, hey, you want to go to Arizona with us? And then it found out that it was one of those deals like the kind of like the hunting public guys get sometimes in different states where you're promoting the hunting of the state. Mm-hmm. So it got real popular. I mean, it, it ended up on everybody's radar and now they're tightening things up.
0: Uh, what what do you think what do you think goes through the mind of the department of natural resources? Like the marketing uh, people. Cause I've met, um, I've who did, man, what state was it? I think it might've been Tennessee. It might've been Tennessee. And she's like, there was a direct result in tag sales when we paid. I don't know if it was Tennessee, but I met this girl. She's like, there was a direct influence of tag sales when we had like thp come to our state and they documented all of this stuff and so what are your what are your thoughts on that scenario my thoughts on it
1: and i've i've known about it a long time mm-hmm. have been i'm pretty uneasy with it yeah because you know where it's going to go and now we're here so you knew it's the same thing i mean the first time i drew an iowa tag uh, it was 2009 and so you know i drew and then it was wait three four years or whatever the time frame was back then Mm -hmm. and i remember talking to somebody about the governor's tags that everybody talks about yeah and he's like you could definitely get one being in the industry and i was like man i don't I don't want to Yeah. because at some point i have to explain that to everyone because mm-hmm. somebody's going to ask me yep. and that that whole situation with paying you know paying people to promote hunting in a different state you know and it it's weird because i don't i don't know who i don't know what state started that south dakota has been doing it a long time for their pheasant opportunities mm-hmm. and you know nebraska did it to compete with them and then you see i know some of the southern states did it for their big game I just, it makes me uneasy, man. Like we don't, right, now, it, you know, the cat's out of the bag, whatever, but mm-hmm. we don't need it. Yeah, Like it, it, it's just unnecessary. And it's like, there's there's plenty of information out there. So I, I think it's better to just be kind of real vague about where you're hunting and yeah. not not go that route. But I get, I mean, I get why those guys did it. Like yeah. I understand they're getting paid and the, you know, state game agencies are like, we want more people to come here and hunt. And then it works. yeah. And now the tags get tightened up. And that sucks.
0: Yeah, I I understand why you would want to market it for financial reasons, right? But for me, I look at it as almost a slap in the face to the resident, right? These people who live in these states all year round and they hunt in these areas all year round. And then maybe it's just me being an asshole, but a group of people comes in to a spot that you hunt every year and the next they come in they record all of it they document it they even say where you're at and then the next year there's 10 other guys there quadruple the amount of the people who went there and now every year they're going back especially if it's a, a state with an over the counter tag and there's no point system i would be i would be extremely pissed as a resident if that if that went down. Because my, my personal opinion is the state needs to take care of the residents of that state first. Is there is there something wrong with that style of thinking?
1: You just have to recognize the funding. Yeah. It it's not I I know everybody says that, but it's not so simple in a lot of states. In in whitetail dominated states, it's generally the residents who are paying for the bulk of the game management and state game agency but it kind of depends like it depends how much they're bringing in for preference points or they're bringing in for non-resident tags and and you can find i i just wrote about this for meat eater if you take wyoming as an example i the i think the numbers i had were for from 2020 i think but it was preference points 99 percent of the money which is which was 12 million dollars was raised by non-residents and a hundred thousand dollars was raised by the residents and then, if you look at the the license sales, it was like I'm going to screw up the numbers, but it was like eighty percent of sixty million dollars was non-resident money. Right. So this is this is one of those things. If if you really wanted to to keep it for the residents, what what somebody would do, and I don't want anybody to do this, but maybe they will someday. Is it would just be, it would be just like ending trophy hunting in Africa. If you were really pissed about that, you could pay. And if you raised enough money, you could shut that down because it's about money. Mm-hmm. And so, in a state where if you're like, I want, I don't want non residents anymore and I want everything to be for the residents, all it would be would be a matter of raise the prices enough till it covers that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it covers the budgets,
0: yeah. you know. And yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to non residents hunt like, going and hunting other states or coming to Iowa. I'm not opposed to that at all, as long as it's properly managed, right? Yeah. But what I don't want is something like that to happen. I mean, like, Iowa, there's no need for those governor tags anymore. Everybody knows about the whitetails in Iowa. I don't care yeah. who, who you are. There's no need for, for marketing uh, the state the state anymore through, yeah. through those tags. Just like, I don't know. And, and so... I feel like the you know non residents have their place, and it's a t- it's tough because in Wyoming they're afraid to change because the population of their state is so low, and the that income comes from the non residents, right? So I don't know. I, I would, and I think recently I know Nebraska went to it. They're they're going to a, a draw system. Uh, South Dakota is now on a different system. It it, it it's it's the same system. But now they, I think they reduced the ta- the number of tags so that it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn into a preference point system. Yep. Um, and to me, I don't have a problem with that as a non-resident. If I have to wait a couple more years uh, to go hunt South Dakota and I have to start doing that every other year, man, if it helps the natural resource, like I personally am okay with that.
1: I am, if it's a resource, yeah. if it's actually a resource issue, yep. here's, here's where I definitely break from that line of thought. We, we sort of take the temperature of this stuff by how many people are bitching. Right. And if you look at I, Colorado elk is the best example. Yeah. If you listen to people talk about Colorado elk over the counter elk, I'm talking not drawn a Primo unit it's almost universally it sucks. It's not worth going. It, you know, there's too many people, all the elk are pushed off the mountain. And then you go hunt Colorado public land elk in an over the counter unit. And it's like, you have great opportunities there. Yeah. Like anybody who says you can't find elk there. And so I always, I get real nervous about this when it's like, we're, it, are we taking away opportunities? Cause people are bitching that, the The hunting quality isn't as good for them personally, or right. is it really like we're killing too many elk or too many whitetails or ducks or whatever yeah. that, that's a different thing to me. Yeah. Like, you know, and you see that, what worries me about that is you see that like with mule deer, if you take like Nebraska or South Dakota, there's a huge concern with the resource of mule deer because mm-hmm. that's a pretty limited supply. Yep. But then you also see the whitetails often get lumped in there and you go, is, is this the same thing? Like, yeah. are, or are you just doing this because you can? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, if it, if a state game biologist comes out and says like, look, we're hammering these things too hard, then great. But if it's just like, man, you know, people are kind of complaining that it's not as easy as it used to be. That, that makes me nervous. Cause there's no end to that. Like there's no way to measure that. It's not a game population.
0: You know, it's not yeah. a
1: harvest statistic.
0: Okay. All right. Um, so, Moving on to kind of the the next thing, um, you you don't you don't really run a ton of trail cameras, do you?
1: Not not really, not, really. not compared to
0: a lot of people. Okay, so on that twenty five acre property, are you thinking uh, because the kids are involved and because it's a brand new property, or are, are you thinking trail cameras are going to be in play there? Big time, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I mean. I shouldn't say big time. I'll run a couple Mm -hmm. because I have no idea what lives there and what moves through.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, What is, let's see here. Um, What is your overall like trail camera strategy if, if you have one? And when you go and hunt public, do you ever use trail cameras on public?
1: um i almost never use trail cameras on public okay um part of that is because a lot of the places i hunt you can't and part of it is a lot of the places i'm traveling to if i have four or five days it wouldn't do me any good right so i look at trail cameras two ways like over in wisconsin where i take my girls Mm -hmm. i'm literally just monitoring some spots to see if are the are deer like any deer coming in consistently so it's you know it's a couple hours to get over there like i want to make sure that they're going to be in the game mm-hmm. but for myself it's always just to answer a question yeah. like i find a fence crossing or something or you know this property that i just got permission on there's nothing to glass yeah like there's no way to just like get there and watch anything so i have no idea how many deer live there i have no idea what the you know the size of the bucks are or how many does might be going through there and so I'm, I'm just answering that question. Like, what, what am I curious about? And some of the properties that I have, like in the Southern part of the state, I I don't almost never run trail cameras, like on the edge of a bean field yeah. or in kind of a, like a typical spot where you'd be like, I'm going to take inventory and, you know, get them pinned down here. Mm-hmm. It's always like some terrain trap in the woods or something where I'm like, who, who walks this subtle trail? Like right. what, when like how could this play into my strategy and i i I, you know it's like a it's just a curiosity thing for me it really isn't like a huge like i'm gonna run 25 cameras and get them dialed in type of thing i'm just not that kind of person
0: yeah yeah man i i tell you what i i think for me i really I, i just really like trail cameras and i i think it's more of I just like looking at pictures of deer, right? Especially if it's a a big mature buck. Does it help for me? Do I base a lot of my decision-making based off the the data that I get from those trail cameras? Absolutely. But if someone said to me, all right, trail cameras are now outlawed in Iowa. Nobody can use them anymore. I don't think I would be too terribly disappointed. I think I would change my... uh, my scale of what I'm looking for every year. Right. I I would probably not be passing the one forties in Iowa that I'm passing to go hold out for maybe like a, a little, a, you know, 150 or something like that. I wouldn't be passing those types of deer, but other than that, I don't think I'd be too terribly disappointed. Yeah. I mean,
1: what you said there is so true. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of times it's just fun.
0: It's fun. Like, yeah.
1: It's just a, it's just like an add on part of, you know, preseason and the season where it's just, it's like a, it's, we give it too much credit for helping us kill deer a lot of times, mm-hmm. but just for enhancing the experience, they're pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing that I am excited about this year is I got one of those systems, um, uh, Back link system. Mm -hmm. and so you put one where you get cell service and then you can daisy chain them and so in the in my main iowa farm there is no cell service in the river bottom okay or the, the creek bottom you can't it's it's high all around and you can't you just can't get cell service down there so i would only check a couple of those trail cameras twice an entire year not just the season just the entire year, once in March and then once maybe in September right before the season started, but then they'd just ride out the entire year. Batteries would die, and then I'd I'd go back and get them. But now I'm excited to see more of a, I don't know, more of a real-time. It's not going to really affect my hunting just because I'm still multiple hours away from these properties, but I I just – It would be nice to know what's moving through there at at more real time. On the other corner of my mouth, I say, cell cams are for cheaters.
1: (laughs) Dude, I know. It's, uh, you know, not not only do we have cell cameras now, and they're kind of the standard, just about.
0: Yep. But you have cameras with live feed. Live feed, yeah. Capabilities, which is freaking bananas. Yeah, security camera type technology where you can log on like a ring door system on your mm-hmm. door you can go like who's at my front door right now and the the moment and i'm i bet you they're coming the secure the the trail cameras that you can pivot right or left and scan a food plot or scan it, it's it's coming it's coming
1: well there there was a camera i don't remember who it might have been a wild game innovations camera but there was one that had multiple lenses on it oh yeah
0: 360, 360. You put it in the middle oh, yeah, of the yeah, food yeah. plot. It's a three sixty deal.
1: Yeah, so yeah, no, we're not that far away. I I mean, I think in maybe ten years, twelve years, you're going to see these manufacturers will be selling like, here's an Iowa compliant camera, mm-hmm. here's a you know Texas compliant camera, here's a whatever because these rules. I mean, I I think the cell camera thing is, I, I think the clock is ticking on that in a lot of states. You think like, it's, I think it's
0: that- going bye bye.
1: I think it's very likely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know. Again, I'm like, is it a resource issue mm-hmm. or is it just a, like a public perception issue? You know, what is it? Cause, but the problem is, is you're going to have people who are going to, you know, they're going to film a TikTok or something where they're like, I'm sitting here in my office and look at this, the bucks in the food plot and they're going to grab their rifle and they're going to film themselves
0: walking out there. Oh, people have already done and, that. They've already done that. I've, I saw this last year. Hey, I was packing for a trip. Buck showed up on trail camera. She she ran out, grabbed her rifle, ran out to the food plot, shot him dead. I don't like I don't like that.
1: What if she got a visit from a CO. Cuz I mean, I, there's so many states that would be illegal. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I guess I don't know where she was. But yeah. Oh, so then people see that and they go Like, how is, like, are we still talking bear chase here? (laughs)
0: Like, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I just can't wait for me to start making enough money or pivot in. Like, don't get me wrong. I love doing all this, but I just want to just step away from it and just shut it off and just go black and watch and just go do me without worrying about any of this other stuff. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, we just, I don't know. And uh, dude, we're all guilty of this, but we just can't help ourselves. Yeah. You know, the technology comes along and it's just fun. I mean, and cell cameras, man, they're so fun. Oh, Like it's, you know, it's so fun to log in there and check that, check that app and see those pictures. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, the one thing that could happen that I would say is, well, what I would hope would happen is they would they would regulate like in incrementally and be Mm -hmm. like you can't get instant photos so somebody would come out with a camera that will only send you photos once a week or once every three days or something but what'll happen is just a wholesale ban yep you know and that'll i I don't know i I don't know where we're going with it i'm like i'm i'm like you i'm kind of in the same i I like them i use them if they went away i would sort of be like "Eh, whatever okay
0: yeah yeah yep i got you um crossbow like are you thinking about shooting a crossbow ever uh no, no?
1: okay Why, do you hear a rumor about me
0: or what <laughs> oh yeah lots of rumors going around tony peterson shooting a crossbow this year i heard the no, i heard what? the checks came in and you're oh, like yeah ah, the, that, that's hard to turn down that money <laughs> got one of those
1: i got another ivory back scratcher here from that <laughs> crossbow royalty uh no you know i was uh when the when the when the crossbow thing started burning pretty hot Mm -hmm. you know which has been going on a while now i mean we're probably 15 years into this thing or maybe longer yeah i was like this is a bad idea you know i was like typical i don't want them you know i don't i don't think they belong here and now again you know my daughters use one it's it is uh, the, the thing that drives me the most nuts about crossbows is anybody who argues that they're the same thing as a vertical bow. Yep. Like, they are just a different thing. They're an easier weapon yep. to use. You yes. don't need to practice with them. Like, they're just different. It's mm-hmm. just easier. And if, if you acknowledge that, like, I don't care. Like, don't try to pretend. You know, it's the same thing. Like, if you were, like, you know, a compound and a reaker are really kind of the same thing. Like, no, man. Yeah. Just, go shoot them. Like, yeah. they're just not, you know? Yep. And so, I'm, I was, like, adamantly... Anti crossbow. And then I was like, uh, I don't know if I have the energy to care Mm -hmm. as much anymore. And now I just look at it and go, it's just coming anyway. Right. Like everybody, every state out there is going to have them, I think, eventually. You know, I mean, I think more than half of the states already have full inclusion. So it's like, I don't know. What
0: are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap it up here. And I want to know it's summertime. And I played this on one of the last uh, episodes. It's a game called My Favorite Thing Is. All right. <laughs> and so my, my, uh, we talked, I'm going to use this for an example. My favorite thing about the, the whitetail rut is when you're sitting in a, a tree stand, it's a crisp, no wind, frost on the ground, cold morning. You know, you, you can see your breath. The sun's coming up. It's, it's so quiet and all you can hear is kr, 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 kr. you turn around and there's a butt coming right towards you that is one of my favorite things about the rut and hunting deer but now i want to narrow it down to summertime what is one of your favorite things about summertime oh man the, how visible they are yeah but my, my favorite
1: I love using a spotting scope and watching bachelor groups. Yeah. So one of my favorite things is how visible they are in the Mm -hmm. summer. I just, you don't, you don't get a chance to watch mature bucks very often. And the summer is your time.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What about non deer hunting related favorite things? Fishing. Fishing. Period. Period. (laughs) I like fishing. Period.
1: (laughs) I do, man. uh, Trout, bass, whatever, but I just love, I love that there are so many different options to fish mm-hmm. in the summer. Yeah. Like you can, you can go to the stream and drown worms with your kids, or you can go get real serious on some big water for whatever you want to fish. I just, uh, all of it, just fishing.
0: Yep. Yep. That's awesome, man. Uh, Tony, man, thanks again for hopping on. I appreciate this, you know. I think our contract, like I have enough stuff to blackmail you and I promised you like a couple of years and then I'd let you go, but, but <laughs> I enjoy having you on the podcast, man, and uh, have fun the rest of this summer and uh, let's touch base again when the season starts.
1: Definitely. Thanks, buddy.
0: And there you have it. Another Tony Peterson episode in the books. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Uh, I love you all. I hope all of you have an extremely active and happy 4th of July where we get to celebrate one of the the greatest countries in the world uh, where freedom is. I mean, you go to any other country, man, and you see how they live and then you see how we live. We got it really good over here, sometimes almost too good. And so... Uh, uh, just think about that this weekend you know hang with your friends um fighting uh hang with your friends blasting off fireworks you know eat until you're full drink until you're drunk all that stuff it ha- happens because of 300 some years of people fighting for this country to be the way it is and defending our right to live in this world of freedom and so uh yeah, just take that into consideration this weekend. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Hunt Stand, The Woodman's Pal, and Huntworth. Please uh, go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And last but not least, good vibes in, my friends. Good vibes out. And we'll talk to you next time.